Hi, I'm Mark Nielski. I'm the author of The Economics of Happiness and my new book, An Economy of Wellbeing. Welcome to the Economy of Wellbeing podcast. I believe the most important aspiration of our life is well-being and genuine happiness. But by happiness, I refer to the original Greek definition, which literally means well-being of your spirit or well-being of your soul. I also believe we have an opportunity to change the consciousness of our world and the planet by rediscovering the true meaning of the words of business and economics, such as the word wealth, which literally means the conditions of well-being from the Old English. In my podcast, I'm joined with some incredible guests and elders to talk about the development of this new economy based on well-being. I wrote about those ideas in my new book, An Economy of Well-Being, Common Sense Tools for Building Genuine Wealth and Happiness. We'll explore many of those topics in these podcasts with some of my great guests. You'll learn how to adopt some of these ideas in your personal life, your business, and your community. I hope you enjoy these podcasts and feel more hopeful about the future. You can learn more about my book, The Economy of Wellbeing, from my website, economyofwellbeing.com. That's economyofwellbeing.com. And you can also purchase my book on Amazon as an ebook or a paper copy, or listen to my podcast and be inspired. Have a wonderful life. And welcome to the next installment of an Economy of Wellbeing podcast. My next special guest is Chief Christian Sinclair. Chief Sinclair is the chief of the Opasquia Cree Nation located in the Paw, Manitoba, about five or six hour drive from Winnipeg. Chief Sinclair doesn't like to use the word chief, uh, saying that it's a term that comes from the colonizing people of, of Britain and that the word that the Cree would use is Onigano, which Onigano means leader. Uh, he considers himself a leader for this particular time, this particular era in his people's journey. The Opasque Cree Nation is a community of about 6,200 people, and it, like many other First Nations, has lots of challenges and lots of assets as well. I met Christian Sinclair in Vancouver at the Indigenomics Conference in May of 2019, and he purchased a copy of my book and was quite taken with the presentation of the economy of well-being model and ideas for First Nations and has invited me back a few times to look at exploring the application of the ideas in my book uh, to his nation. Christian is a former Canadian military sniper or sharpshooter with the Canadian forces, uh, so he's not someone you want to mess with. He's a charismatic young leader and his leading his nation into new frontiers, I think, which are exciting, not just as a model for First Nations, but a model really for the rest of Canada to renew our relationship with First Nations, the land, and hopefully becomes a model for other Canadian cities uh, and for the whole country to become a model, a working model of an economy of well-being, which we're now seeing emerging in places like Iceland and New Zealand. Uh, Finland and Scotland. So I hope you enjoy this lively conversation with uh, Christian Sinclair. 
and uh, welcome any of your comments and feedback. Tansa Mark, Kananaskomatin Kaganel, which in our language means hello. Tansa is hello and Kananaskomatin. I acknowledge uh, all of you who are listening here today. Treaty 5. Thank you for uh, coming and meeting with us here on the traditional territory of Opaskwak and Treaty 5 territory, northern Manitoba. Uh, with, with the approach of what you had presented when I met you last summer in uh, 2019 in Vancouver, uh, it struck a chord with me because with how we're moving forward as a Cree nation, as an Inuak, an Inuak nation, uh, Cree is a French word, and you acknowledge me on, on my title, which is Oniganyu. I don't use a title chief either by design because that's a word from Europe. And if we're going to be true to ourselves as First Nations people, as an Inuak, as Crees, then we've got to use our language because the language is who we are as, as a nation. So I purposely used that title uh, in consultation with an elder that uh, unfortunately has since passed on, the late Rosina Hester. And she had told me that that's what her grandfather used and she was an elder so you can look at or think about the generation her grandfather came from. What does it mean actually? The story she had shared with me, she and, and one of the titles that chiefs he, he used here normally in Northern Manitoba is Okamau. She goes, that's not the right title. She says, I've seen your poster. You're saying vote for Chris Sinclair for Okamau of Opasqua. But what I wanted to do was basically uh, trigger a conversation about using our language. So today the elders are saying, well, this is the title or that's the title, but they're not using chief. And that's good because it's really getting to the core of who we are as uh, in Inuak, as First Nations uh, members here. But Oniganyu, the story she had told me was that when her grandfather was uh, what the old people in our community was only a couple hundred people. What they had called their leader at that time was Oniganyu, which in our language means the one in front or the one who leads or speaks for the people. The word Okamau, from what we've come to learn with the uh, elders and in that story, was that when the Indian agents came and contact was made with Europeans, they started taking over control of our governments, uh, imposing their will on us the people would call that person that the Indian agent appointed Okamau or almost like a decoy or a fake. Mm. Yet our people use it uh, today in northern Manitoba, Manitoba, Kiwidnawi, Ogamaganak, the chiefs of northern Manitoba. But with the title Onikanyu, it's the one in front or the one who leads the real title of, uh, in that sense. So right now our elders in Opaskak are going through a dialogue of what is the right title to call me as well as our Onashchigawak, which was formerly councillors, Onashchigawak are the ones that organize, are the ones that get things ready, that prepare. So using those Cree words or Inuit words that have a spirit and a meaning to them as well, which is a very uh, powerful language that has a lot of spirit and meaning to it. What's the word for elders? 
Elders Kateyak. Kateyak, yes. It's really, uh, you know, I, I can't properly uh, explain other than it's the, the el elders of the community, the ones that carry the wisdom, the knowledge, experience, expertise. Kateyak. Yeah, and then that's what we refer to them now. So we're still going through the transition of bringing our language back. And I have to give credit to the former government. They did adopt what's called the, the Cree Declaration. Yeah. You know, basically saving our language, bringing our language back, but it was not implemented. So when our government, in the former uh, term I served, instead of having them rolled up in poster form in the back behind a door or behind a desk, I looked, I came across one and unfolded and looked at it and said, wow, this is actually very good work. Let's frame them all up and put them in every office in Opasquat. And now let's put some action behind it. So every meeting that starts with, that's when we started three years ago, we started with a Cree word of the day. And today we have a Cree sentence of the day. And every department and every meeting that starts has a Cree word of the day and a revolving to Cree sentence. Because ultimately our goal here, or the goal that I've challenged our nation with, is to have a fully Cree speaking meeting by 2025. Wow. So we've got. Wow. Four years to uh, yeah, do it, yeah. four and a half, four years and a bit to do it. Yeah. So you're a former military uh, sniper, uh, you're in the military. Where are you leading your people and what path? Well, ultimately with the messages we've received from our elders, the comments we're hearing from our youth, uh, the people in general is we want to be on the same parity as the rest of Canada in terms of quality of life. When you compare a past fact to some other First Nations and some are locales, uh, we're very fortunate because we're a hub. So we've got uh, attraction as an economic hub to come here and centralize and move goods and services through transportation, etc. So we attract the surrounding uh, Swampy Creek communities of approximately 20,000 people. We're located beside a town. So we've got to be able to take advantage of that because we don't have the luxury of being beside a Winnipeg or Toronto or Calgary or Edmonton. So we have to really think outside the box and but the funding that we receive from the federal government, it's never enough, it'll never be enough, it never has been enough. So we've got to really think outside the box and just like a hunter or a trapper, we got to go out there and we got to hunt and trap, get that big game, get that fur and be able to bring it back to our community. Putting it into a modern day context and thinking outside the box, we're now part owners of the railway that comes right through our traditional territory. We're part owners of the forest management license with uh, Canadian Craft Paper right in our backyard here, right. which was never there before. We're the largest private shareholder of one of the largest retail cannabis companies in Canada, establishing retail locations throughout Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and now moving into Ontario. Interestingly, uh, one of our locations is right near Young and Dun Dundas, one of the busiest intersections in Canada. Wow. And 10% of that revenue, which of which we're shareholders of, will flow back to Opasquack as well as all these other retail locations across Canada and growing. Yeah. Uh, we've got a ownership, uh, majority ownership stake in Arctic Beverages, which is a Pepsi bottling distribution company between Northern Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, Northwest Territories and all of Nunavik. So as those businesses are growing and evolving, those dollars are flowing back to the Opasquack Cree Nation. And with those dollars, and with this is where you come in, when, what attracted me to your presentation was Sure, we can make a million dollars or a billion dollars, but if we're not getting value for our dollar, and it's really the people that have to answer that, giving ownership to them and giving them the opportunity under a comprehensive community plan saying, tell us what you want to see in Opasquack in the next 5, 10, 20, 50, 100 years, and we'll start planning our strategy according to what you need as a grassroots. 
in past years it was the management or the leadership that would say, oh, let's do this or do that. But that was the Indian Act style of governance. What we're doing is going back to the traditional way of governance where the grassroots provide the information. We connect the elders and the youth. There's a men's group, there's a women's group. And incorporating all of that into our process so that when it comes to us as leaders, we give those directives to the administration. The administration then implements them based on very high level uh, policies and procedures that qualifies us to be able to borrow from the First Nations Financial Authority, the Financial Management Board, which are part of the uh, Lands Advisory Board, and the First Nation Tax uh, Authority. Right, right. So we're qualified and certified in all those high-level uh, pillars of strong governance and processes. So by doing that, we're now able to take our own source of revenues and do what any other government has done, is borrow from the international bond markets, yeah. take that dollar that we make, turn it to $10, $12, and now invest into strategic investments, become the bank of OCN, if you will, by lending to other companies or you know, groups that we work with, but also investing into what the community wants to improve infrastructure, uh, such as this year, we're gonna be looking at paving all of our roads that haven't been paved as of yet, parking lots, yeah. expanding uh, social needs, such as uh, children are wanting uh, improved uh, skateboard park, uh, spray park, things that, municipalities take for granted, we're able to do that and we are moving on that as of now. Fantastic. So tell me about, um, my interest is in how you're helping to um, build personal assets, capacity, skills, competencies for, for the nation. And this follow-on question is how you plan to deal with some of the, the personal liabilities we have, uh, some of the challenges that you continue and, and you in particular continue to face uh, in this world. Uh, whether it's uh, you know drug issues, drug abuse, uh, racism, et cetera. So on the asset side, but also dealing with the things that uh, need to be improved in terms of our personal liabilities. Yeah, what we've done is we've taken an approach of you know of sovereignty. At the yeah, end of the right. day, Opasquak signed treaty with the with the Crown. So we're sovereign as far as I'm concerned, and we have to take responsibility for ourselves. We've seen what the federal government has done with the past and provincial governments. And every one of their policies has failed us miserably. Nothing has ever succeeded with them imposing a system that is not of our making or our traditional way. So doing a review of all of our processes, uh, such as modernizing our policy and procedures to the latest legislation, doing an assessment of every job description to modernize it into a modern day context now. A lot of these job descriptions, policies and procedures were outdated 25, 30 years in some cases. So leapfrogging everybody into a modern day context and then re making sure that the budgets have monies in there to train and educate our employees as well to continuously learn and build and keep up to the advancements of technology, policies and procedures that are evolving on a right, right. daily, annual basis. So we want to be on the leading edge rather than the bleeding edge where we've been you know, up until now. By making these changes, this in the last uh, two and a half years, we've gone from 20 years of deficits to record surpluses in two years in a row, and we'll be doing that again this year. Yeah, it's in your books, or positive. Yeah, so now, taking a page out of other nations, and when I say that, I'm not talking about First Nations, I'm talking about countries like Singapore, uh, the United States, Canada, South Korea, and saying, what have they done? Because whether you're a nation of 6,244 people like Opasquak, or a nation of 62 million people. Mm -hmm. The fundamentals of government are the same. 
what we're doing is incorporating our Cree values, our Cree philosophies, traditions, culture and language into that process. That becomes the foundation. The pillars of that become what we're incorporating through the fundamentals of strong governance, whether you're First Nation or not. And now with the input of the grassroots people, the experience and expertise of our staff and management, the elders having their input, we're starting to put the panels on the, on the right, framing, right. if you will, based on what Opaskwak wants and needs for us to succeed in order to become masters of our own house. On the seven sacred teachings, one of which I understand is love. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So you look at that, there's courage, love, humility, mm. trust, uh, uh, courage, Humility, <laughs> and, yeah, and, and love, as you mentioned earlier, not compassion, that was on a, another list. But what's interesting there is we have, yeah, what, what's happened is our different departments had, in some cases, one or two different teachings. What we want to do is standardize it to what those seven will be that are agreed to by Opaswak as a whole, rather than having different ones in each department. So this moves us towards a process of standardization and centralization so that we have better control on our finances and resources and standardization that makes us more efficient and effective so that if an employee is you know, being paid with the Opasquak Education Authority this wage, they're not gonna get corporate rated by Opasquak Health Authority and be offered more money. It one want to standardize it so we have that fairness right across the board and that if somebody's gonna work in one area, they're gonna get paid in the same area so there's no corporate rating going on because all we're doing is basically hurting ourselves or cutting ourselves off at the knees. But at the end of the day, if that employee wants to go work in a different environment, then that's their prerogative for the same wage, of course. Right now, it varies. The other reality is recognizing that Opasquack is becoming a economic uh, powerhouse, if you will, from you know talking in First Nation standards. We're looking at 135 to 155 million employees through Opasquack's economy this year. What we're saying is, instead of paying contractors or companies from Winnipeg or out of province, we're going to create our own procurement policy that starts creating the backbone of our economy, which is small and medium-sized business. So what's going to happen Does now? Make OCN great again? So, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. So what we want to do is uh, encourage and empower people that it's okay to be in business, it's okay to be successful. Because in the past, people frowned upon people, you know, becoming wealthy and successful. Mm -hmm. But that's because of the residential school trauma and oh. era of you know shaming people and you know. Uh, lateral violence, a term I never heard till I moved to Opasquack three years and a bit ago. And I had to ask, what is that? What does that mean? And as I start to understand it, the negative impacts of residential school, day school, uh, the 60s scoop, etc. Yeah. It was basically a policy of genocide and just basically imposing that on us and our people becoming their own worst enemy. Right. What we're doing is bringing back the Cree philosophy, the Cree way of life to break that down, break away from the Indian Act and become sovereign based on our terms as an Inuit. Fantastic. And that's going to be incorporating our, the philosophy, the economy, and of course emphasizing the uh, stand, meeting the standards of the Canadian standards or exceeding them, whether it's yeah. education, healthcare, uh, social services, childcare, etc. Opasquiak means basically if you were to come down the Saskatchewan River from Western Canada, Saskatchewan, yeah, yeah. As you come towards uh, the certain high point, which we have here in Opaswak, which is basically a, a big esker of gravel, which actually right, created right. the initial wealth of Opaswak, mm. uh, there's a big stand of trees there. And in the Cree term, when you come at it from the Saskatchewan River, you've seen this big tree stand of uh, poplar and uh, birch. It's Opaswak. 
is, is uh, the right uh, pronunciation of it, which means uh, a tree stand uh, on the hill of, of poplar or birch. Javelin aspen or poplar? Poplar trees, which is what you oh, see coming there. Yeah, so it's a basically yeah. a tree stands on a high point. What's your so I come from the Bear Clan, and my uh, family is actually related to Big Bear, who was uh, wow, also a, yeah, a wow. famous uh, Cree leader from Saskatchewan. Yeah. Uh, my grandma, my mother's mother, is a grandchild of Big Bear. So that's my family bloodline that comes through that. So, you know, that's what we're known as the Big Bear clan. What's the spirit animal for a buck bear? There is no so spirit animal for the Oceana as well. It's each family has their own different I clan see, system. Right, right. Mm -hmm. system. Yeah, and some don't know what it is, and that's what we're bringing back. We're bringing back those uh, teaching and understands of what family belongs to which clan because there's been such a separation from our culture in some cases, although there's uh, traditional knowledge keepers that do hold that and possess that, and they want to bring that back out and incorporate that into our government once again. The other, the other key part of it that has come out and that we've been very adamant on is bringing back our ceremonies. So the sweat lodges, um, sun dance, the um, shaking tent, etc. Oh, the yeah, incorporating Cree prayer into our, the starting of our days and our meetings. In the past, that was shunned upon because in the old days, again, it was outlawed to practice your traditional ways. So there was this idea that it had to be kept behind closed doors or in the shadows. But we're saying it's fine, it's okay to do that now. We're in Inuak, right. we can do that. That was always been a way, it always will be. So it's okay to do that. And incorporating traditional medicines into our processes as well. In terms of uh, like skill development for you, last time I was here, you drove me around and showed me your, your you know, focus on own source uh, housing development. So, you know, what are you doing with your youth to ensure they sort of develop those skills both uh, in high school and post-secondary? Yeah. Or you, do you have a strategy or vision for, you know, identifying the skill sets that are necessary for to be a fully functional, self-sufficient? Yeah, well, it's very important that we get our young people developing their work ethic at a young age and finding an interest that they may want to pursue as a career path. So in the case of the uh, Oscar Laughlin Collegiate, what's interesting is there's a program that exists in the United States that they're now just bringing into Canada right. and they're working with some First Nations. They came to meet with us last fall and they said we have this plan that will help develop your youth. You know it's, it's about building homes and introducing them to carpentry, electrical, plumbing, drywall, painting and basically build a house. I said, well, that's interesting. You should come for a tour with us. So we took them on a tour. And what we did as Opasca, because we become uh, successful in managing our financial resources down building surplus, we actually financed two houses to be built by our high school students. Wow. So we took these folks for a tour from Chicago. And guess what? We were already doing what they <laughs> were proposing to us. Wow. So it told us that we're on the right path to doing what we need to do based on our own initiatives yet they've been doing this in the United States, which started in uh, the black community of Chicago. Yeah. And here we are doing it up in northern Manitoba already on our own terms with our own resources, recognizing that with the demographic shift of baby boomers retiring out of the workforce and First Nations being the fastest growing demographic, six to sometimes faster than the general public, that we've got to become part of the solution to build our people up, our young people, give them the skill sets they need in order to pursue career paths, whether it's the trades, or professional areas, lawyers, doctors, etc. you name it. We want to give them the ability to access any career path they want 
technologies, etc. That was another piece we moved on last year and the first First Nation Manitoba to do it, where we fully wired our government buildings with fiber optic. This year we're going to be hooking up the homeowners now, going into the residential, recognizing that if we have access to high-speed internet yeah. and we have access to the world at large and for those that want to pursue business opportunities using that tool, then by all means, but it allows us to be able to do uh, telehealth, it allows us to provide better or better educational opportunities for our students in the schools, uh, whether they're learning with the technology in school or offsite learning using Skype or right, whatever right. tools. We have that ability and we're doing that now. What about community Wi-Fi? Community Wi-Fi, we, that's what we're moving that's towards as well. Towards, yeah. And in any successful organization, whether you're in the military, a sports team, a government, Communication is critical, so we're putting a heavy emphasis on developing a communication strategy that will incorporate technology, our newspaper, we're going to be developing a radio station this year, uh, ongoing community meetings, uh, Facebooking live all of our meetings that we have, so there's accountability and transparency. There's nothing to hide. It's a matter now saying as we're building up our financial resources, how do we ensure we're delivering what the people need as opposed to what they want and this is where the comprehensive community can community plan comes into place the ccp is now the grassroots have a connection to how the community is going to grow and evolve we've got the resource to be able to do it we have the management expertise and we'll engage the consultants or professionals that we need where needed as needed but ultimately meeting the needs of the opacity accreditation so when we incorporate all this and combine it together at the end of the year once we start measuring our wellness index factor are we achieving the goals that people want? Are they happy with the results that they're seeing? If not, then that's where we'll be able to use those benchmarks and see where we got to re-flow our monies to so that we can now adjust those and find that balance spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mentally. And that's the Beautiful. Cree concept of a holistic model of, from a Cree perspective or yeah. indigenous perspective. Yeah. What I've been sh sh you know, using in my own work. Um, so, fun question, we have a run for National Chief or Prime Minister of this country? I always say I'm, <laughs> I'm not a politician. Yeah. And it's kind of ironic seeing it in the position I'm in because when I first moved here, I was doing my own business. I came from uh, working with nonprofits, North American Indigenous Games, working with corporations and the former military background. But being home here in the last three years, after being gone 30 years, I'm back on the land, I'm trapping with my father and my mother and my family. I'm hunting, getting moose, uh, waterfowl, feeding the widows and the elders with that. Just again, those Cree traditions uh, and, right. and being on the land, but being able to walk in both worlds, as they say. You know, mm. I can go right in a bush and be just as comfortable as going into a corporate boardroom in downtown Toronto right, or right, meeting right. with the prime minister or any minister. Mm -hmm. It's having that ability to be able to walk in all those different worlds but ultimately ensuring that the benefits accrue back to our community because whether you're a warrior, a former soldier, like I was modernizing that and playing the role that I am now, it's basically doing the same thing except I'm hunting for opportunity uh, with the full support of our Onashigawak and our Kateyak, our elders, mm -hmm. to ensure that we're delivering on what the people want through that comprehensive community plan. I'm not a politician, uh, that's why I use that word, uh, Oniganyo, that title. I'm not a chief. I'm right. not a minister, I'm an Oniganyu, which is working for the people in the service of the people. For this time. So for this time. So I've, I've seen you, at least my, I thought when I saw you meeting with the uh, Mi'kmaq chief here, 
vision of renewing the, the old trade routes uh, across Turtle Island. And uh, given your your title uh, on Eganu, do you do you have some historical notion of how these relationships existed before colonization? And yeah. And is there a possibility uh, to renew that and to, in a sense, become a, a refreshing of Canada itself? Absolutely. And again, putting it into a modern day context, we're working with Crees from Saskatchewan, the PA Grand Council. We're working with Denny from the Athabasca Tribal Council. We're working with Mi'kmaq, two nations from uh, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia right. on the cannabis investment side. Yeah. And then as we look at the Cree Confederacy, Opasquiac, we'll be holding the Cree gathering here, which is where it was initially hosted back in 1992, was the very first one, I believe. And here we are in 2020, going to be hosting it again. But what I've uh, asked the elders that come from different regions is I want to incorporate a component in there that talks about our economy because we were intertribal traders once upon a time. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a matter of reviving that, but again, putting into a modern day context, whether we're going to be trading in lumber resources or sharing in mining developments, whatever it may be, or, or, or pipelines, yeah. you name it, any yeah. natural resource. If you look at the Cree Confederacy that starts in Northwest British Columbia, goes through Northern Saskatchewan, Central Saskatchewan, North Central Manitoba, part of Northern Ontario and into Northern Quebec and into Labrador. Mm -hmm. When you add up all that natural resource wealth of forestry, hydro, minerals, the gains that uh, are coming from infrastructure that's being built on our traditional territories, pipelines, transmission lines, etc. The Crees are by far the most wealthy people in the world, far richer than the Saudi yeah. Arabians. Absolutely. And what's happened is per due, capita. yes, yeah. per capita, and yeah. due to the failure of the federal government and their fiduciary responsibility, failing miserably and failing in the honor of the crown. As far as I'm concerned, there is no honor in the crown, mm -hmm. and I say that because if there was, the first nations of this country would not be the poorest of the poor in their own homeland. So as I say, we're second class citizens living in third world conditions in a first world country, and that's unacceptable. Especially since I think the US, uh, well, the US uh, just named Canada with the highest quality of life in the world. Uh, yes. So what's the gap you know, between First Nations quality of life and average Canadian? And that's the gap I think you're trying to narrow. Yeah, exactly. So, so getting back to my, my friend and brother Louis Cardinal talked about how Saskatchewan River was the great kind of uh, that they had the series of Tejona uh, gathering places. So these, mm -hmm. these sacred, well, every year people would gather right in four directions. Um, but you're saying that th there may have been several of these along the Saskatchewan River in which these trade relationships, there was no money used, there was wampum or shells uh, used in an exchange of equivalents. So do you have, not to go back to that past, but you have a sense of how that spirit, how that economy could be refreshed or renewed? Is that part of your vision? No, absolutely. Is right now, and I, you've heard me talk about the Cree economy of Opasquia. This year, we're going to be pumping 135 to 155 million through our economy. Yeah. So we're creating our own procurement policies to build our own Cree business people up. Now imagine taking that and doing a strategic um, alliance or MOU with one other Cree nation or mm -hmm. two or three. Mm -hmm. But imagine all the Crees and other First Nations signing a declaration of sorts to start that intertribal trade route once again yeah. and working together. Yeah. Yes, there's some that are weak and there's some that are very strong and there's some in between. 
but now takes that and taking that model and replicating it into the United States where the tribal groups are. It's reviving them and bringing it back together, but working with not only First Nations, but also non-First Nations. The ability and what we've learned allows us to be able to do that for those that have that capacity. And that's what we're doing is building the capacity to build that because as my good friend Chief Clarence Lewis says from Osoyos, mm -hmm. you need an economic horse to pull the social cart. Right, right, right. And in the past, the funding that was provided by the government to support that social cart was never enough. Yeah. Didn't even have an economic horse to pull it. So now we're building our economic horse here in El Paso, but we want to add to it with other nations going forward. I know we're getting to the end of our time, but um, one burning question on the time is, do you, have you contemplated the possibility of Absolutely. Yeah. When we talk about sovereignty, there's no reason why we should be doing that tax. Yeah. And in a sense, because we're First Nation Tax uh, Authority certified, we have the ability to be able to do that. Why should we be a tax collector for a foreign government such as the province of Manitoba when that business is taking place on Opasquia Cree Nation lands so that we can start reinvesting that tax back into our infrastructure and social needs right. going forward? We can be part of the solution to address the issue of Canada's burgeoning uh, baby boom crisis that's coming and it's going to be. Mm -hmm. So the more yeah, yeah. dollars they require to take care of those aging baby boomers and a fast growing First Nation population, you're, it's going to come to a head. Yeah, yeah. And how do we address that? So we're already working to address that with what we need to do as a past Cree Nation. Fantastic. I mean, the average Canadian spends at least 25% of their, their income on, on taxes of different forms. Yeah. So um, that's an interesting economic Absolutely, and as we grow and evolve, the sky's the limit. We're open to anything and everything, best mm -hmm. practices, whether it's in Canada or anywhere around the world. Yeah. We'll adopt it and we'll incorporate here and build on it going forward. Yeah. I think my reflection is, having been to Singapore, seeing what they've done with shared assets, you know, 90% of their housing is a public trust, they're in their sovereign wealth fund. Right. And I think that's a distinct possibility for yeah, the irony of that is we're actually providing that now. We've injected a million dollars for people to borrow from us in our own money, and I read that in your book. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yet we we are already doing it. So when I read it, I thought, wow, we're doing it. So we pumped a million dollars in. People are borrowing from that and paying back to do renovations on our houses. And the success of that is going to determine uh, for going into the next year, pumping in another million or two based on that success, yeah. and then expanding it into people to borrow to build their own homes going as they... Uh, grow and evolve becoming uh, earners within our nation yeah. whether they do it as an employee or whether they do it as a contractor to OCM that's where we're going towards very, very similar to Islamic finance where there's a shared there's a pot right there's a shared pool out of which you borrow uh, yeah. and uh, you can achieve actually near zero interest uh, mortgage rates yep. in, in a system of shared uh, shared assets absolutely so uh, my last question is what, what gives you hope well what gives me hope is when you look at the largest segment of our population, which are the people, zero to 25 or 65% of our population, it's working for them to ensure that they have the best quality of life possible, better than we ever did in my generation, but also being able to connect them with the elders and learning from our past and our experiences to never repeat those lessons that were imposed on us, if you will, but still maintaining the connection to our language, culture, tradition, and ceremony and combining it with the technology of today and the evolution of our world. Yeah. And how do we find that balance? And that's what we're going towards. By bringing our Cree way of life back in, we can achieve that spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mentally. 
And it is going to be an uphill battle, but we, we can do it. I'm sure we can. Very exciting. Well, thank you, Christian Sinclair. Thank you very much, for Mark. Joining, uh, this will be on the national tonight. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 My podcast has lots of followers. Actually, the interesting thing is the, the biggest list of an audience is prosperity. We're lost. <laughs> driving right, driving right by. Is, is, uh, Biggest U.S. listing audience is Mountain View, California. Oh wow! Which is where Google and MySpace. Like, what are they listing? I should have I should have mentioned because we have an investment in California with a cannabis company as well. Do you? Yeah. I'll have to go visit them. I'll be there in May. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on the Economy of Wellbeing podcast. I'm your host, Mark Anielski. I hope you can join us next time for another special guest.